This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to the show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust, dot com. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. How are you today? This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a lovely, chill out, relaxing Saturday. And I apologize in advance if I'm going to ruin it for you because we've got a lot to discuss today. As you might tell by my tone, I'm kind of kind of annoyed today. Um, the, the peaceful, loving, kind John is gone on vacation for this week, um, or at least this monologue. I want to talk to you today about something serious. You are an extraordinary country. I will speak to your values, to your principles, to your history, to your constitution, till I'm blue in the face, till you either tell me to shut up or someone sends me to a gulag. However, right now, you are going through a phase that I can only describe as lunacy. If you read enough history, you're, it's crystal clear democracies don't live very long. They either get invaded, overtaken, or they destroy themselves within. And my fear is you are destroying yourselves from within. 2016 is a great year. If you listen to this show long enough, thank you very much, but you'll know I'm a big fan of some of the advancements we've made. Technology is incredible. You have more information at the at your fingertips now than Bill Clinton had access to in the White House just 17 or 18 years ago. But instead of discussing the real issues of the day, we're forced to talk about crap. And we divide ourselves and we put ourselves up into pretzels. What issue am I talking about today? Well, of course, it's a bathroom bill. So let's discuss this bathroom bill, shall we? I am a very, I'm a human being, I'm a man, I'm a sinner, and I've got many faults. And I've got many attributes, some will see them as good, some will see them as bad, we're all like that. But one of the things I am is I am extremely protective of those closest in my life. And I expect many of you listening are something similar. You're protective of your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or wife, your kids, your parents, your grandparents. I think we all have that in common. 
So now some people take it to an extreme and some people are more lax with it. If I'm out in a restaurant and my girl wants to go to the restroom and I see a guy going in behind her, it ain't going to go well. If I'm in a restaurant or a public place and I'm with my goddaughter or my mother or I was with my granny when she was alive and I saw a man walk in after her, it ain't going to end well. It seems now I'm a bigot and I'm a hater because I have the extreme notion that says, if you have a penis, you go to the men's room. If you don't, you don't. I know, what a radical idea, right? It seems in 2016, not only do we want to slap God in the face and say, you don't exist, but we also want to slap nature in its face and say, everything you've done up till now is wrong. It doesn't count. What do you think is going to happen, ladies and gentlemen who listen? What do you think is going to happen with the potential for men to go into the women's room and women to go into the men's room? Do you think assault could happen? Do you think rape could happen? Do you think murder could happen? Do you think robbery could happen? Heck, do you think people might just go in just to get the kicks to see someone else? Do we care about the majority and their comfort, or is it only about the comfort of the mi minority? Oh, I'm transgendering. You have to accept me. Fine. I have absolutely no problem if you're going through that. However, are you not... Are you so wrapped up and engulfed in your own principles and your own, I'm entitled, that you don't see the danger to this? But that's not all. It seems in 2016, it's too much to ask the GOP frontrunner to say, if you've got a penis, you go to the boys' room. If you don't, you go to the girls' room. Apparently, that bar is too high to ask of the frontrunner of the GOP. Because, well, he just said, well, the best advice I heard was on talk radio, and they said, just leave it the way it is. Way to go. Way to go. That's the frontrunner. That's the frontrunner of the GOP. Oh, my God, how Reagan and Lincoln must be so proud. If only they could see their party now. It seems, and I can guess I'm going to get some hate, that I dare attack Donald Trump. It seems in 2016, when you endorse someone or when you support someone for candidate, we have this unwritten rule where you can't speak out. Well, question one today I would ask you to think of over this weekend is what way do you want to live your life? Do you want your political candidates to define you and you go goo-ga-ga-ga every time they announce a policy decision that it's automatically right? Or do you define your political candidates that when they're wrong, you speak out and you speak out with passion 
and you say, no, that's not the way it goes. And you make your case and have the balls. Yes, I said it. Have the balls to say, if they don't agree with you, then I'm not voting for you. You've lost my vote. Oh, well, then I'll only be proved wrong. In case you've just tuned in and you've listened to me, yes, there is anger in my voice today. I'm angry because the country I love is going to hell. And people are falling for us. I did some research for this show. Today's show is going to be about Ireland. But I did some research just for this segment of all the things I'm angry about. And I just took 30 seconds on Google to get the exact figures. You want to know what I'm angry about? How about we start with a $19.3 trillion debt? Or how about the unfunded liabilities of over $100 trillion? How about we get angry about the 44 million people who are living on food stamps? Or the 161 million who are living off benefits? Or the 815,004 bankruptcies? Or the 546,000 foreclosures? Or the 93 million people who are not currently in the workforce? Oh no, we can't talk about them. We got to talk about who uses what bathroom. The reason the left and the progressives or the statists, whichever term you want to use, don't want to talk about those issues is because they don't have a solution. This is all they can run on. And the GOP frontrunner fell hunk, line and sinker for it and said, yeah, I think, uh, I think we should just leave it as it is. They're just some numbers, but it goes, I'll go one step further. Economic Freedom Index, America ranks 11th, Ireland ranks 8. The top countries are Hong Kong, Singapore, New Zealand, Switzerland, Australia and Canada 6th. I repeat, America is 11th. What have those countries got that you can't get to? Can you give me one reason why you can't be more economic free than any of those countries? How about freedom of the press? America ranks 18th. Ireland ranks 9th. And before I forget to tell you, part of the Irish media is run by the state. You can't even beat a state-run media and some small stations in press freedom. The top countries of freedom of the press, Finland, Netherlands and Norway. What have they got that you haven't got? How about human freedoms? America ranks 20th. Ireland ranks 8th. The top countries there, Hong Kong, Switzerland and Finland. This is America in 2016. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to accept it? Are you going to fall for the myth that has fallen every other country in the rest of the world, including the countries I named, that says, you know what, we just need a better person in the White House. Government just needs to be managed better. We need government to do things. We need a certain person in the White House. Are you going to understand the fundamental freedoms and the fundamental principle that makes America great is your people and start acting? Now, as I say, there is a bit of anger in my voice. I can get angry with the best of them. I love your country. 
I can get angry at a moment's notice if you want me to. Here's the difference. I was at a birthday party a couple of weeks ago. I was at a kid's birthday party a couple of weeks ago. That kid turned the ripe old age of four. That kid has the capabilities to show the emotion that is anger. If you tell that kid no often enough, no, you can't go out, no, you're grounded, no, you can't go out and play, that kid has the capabilities of getting angry. Now, it didn't because it's a well-behaved kid, but it has the capabilities to get angry. It has the capabilities to get angry if you keep this little boy up late enough and you don't put him to bed and read him a bedtime story. He gets cranky and he has the full capabilities of getting angry. We all have the capabilities of getting angry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm nodding, excluding myself from that. Anger is an emotion. We are all capable of it. However, what is the difference between me getting angry and you getting angry? Because I see so many people on social media, I'm just so angry at the government and I'm just going to justify anything. What is the difference between you and that four-year-old? Well, I would hope some of the following. Maturity. That you grow up. You mature. That you have a brain and that you mature and that you filter those emotions. I know we live in a world where people in exit polls after election goes, well, I just voted for this person because he tells it how it is. I just love that. Well, sometimes it's nice to have a little filter. You know, just because I can go around calling everyone a moron and a jerk and a big dummy doesn't mean I should. I have a filter. But most importantly, I think the difference between us should be and that four-year-old boy is the life experiences. That we've grown up in such a way and been taught by our parents often enough that being angry and throwing a little temper tantrum, it doesn't get you anywhere in life. That after you have your temper tantrum and you throw your little doll and rattle out of the pram, well, nothing's changed, has it? Just you've lost and wasted a certain amount of time. See, ladies and gentlemen, I can get angry with the best of them. Except I don't have it in me to get angry anymore. I want to work. I want to serve. I want to do everything in my power to help. Because you see, for me, while I say congratulations to Hong Kong and Singapore and New Zealand and Finland and Switzerland and Netherlands and Norway for doing so great, for me, for America being the exceptional nation, I know you are. You should be number one in all these. And it's not been number one because, well, American, I'm entitled and I'm an American and hey, 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 out of the way, everybody, I'm America, here I come. No. No, 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 no. It goes a lot deeper than that. You're exceptional because of your history, because of your track record, and because of your people. And through hard work and determination, and by following the principles you followed in the past, and by enacting them and inspiring future generations, you should be number one in each of these.
You should be. And I hope and I long to see the day that you are number one in them again. But being number one, it's not all about winning. It's how you get there. It's the journey. I don't want to see you number one in press freedom or economic freedom because, well, we elected this person and they went into the White House or they went into Congress and or this party controlled Congress for 12 years and they just passed all these bills and just made everything easy for us. Now, I want to see you get there through the free market, through principles, through government getting out of the way and looking around saying, yeah, it wasn't a politician. Yeah, there were politicians, we elected them and they got government out of the way, but it was the next Bill Gates or the next Steve Jobs or the next Mark Zuckerberg or the next Tesla. That's what I want to see. The next billionaires, millionaires and billionaires who change and shape our society. Or whether it's some of the older ones, the ones that we know today. Maybe maybe the likes of Bill Gates is sitting on an idea that will revolutionize computers once again. I don't know. But doing things the right way and the principal way still counts. I got to take a quick break, America, and then we're going to go through the Irish elections. As I did my research, I found some very interesting words and terminologies which... Even as an American and not paying any attention to the Irish election, I'm sure they'll sound familiar to you. I gotta take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company. 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and, kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to the show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope the first segment gave you some food for talk. And I'm deadly serious when I say I really hope that you take some time out this weekend and question whether your politicians define you or whether you define your politicians. And by the way, I know I was speaking about Donald Trump in that segment. I mean any politician. If your guy is Ted Cruz or you're, you know, you're a John Kasich or a Hillary Clinton fan or a Bernie Sanders fan, I mean it for everyone, even who you're supporting, the Senate or your the House or your local state representatives. Who What defines you? One of the things I want to try and I, I try in the show to do, and I'm going to keep trying harder, is to highlight why I think America is exceptional. Not putting other people down, but just to you know testify to your greatness at every opportunity. And 
the rest of this show is going to be about Irish politics and giving you some food for thought. Um, but one of the things I want to do is take a principle and explain it to you. Prior to July 2nd, 1776 on your founding, the world had a, a similar pattern. And it was that every relationship with man among man and man with their government was kind of the same. America changed that at your Declaration of Independence. And I want to read out to you something if you know your founding documents will sound very, very um, familiar. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That is part of your Declaration of Independence. I want to reread just a small part of that, just so it's fresh in your memory. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's America's Declaration of Independence. Let me quote you from one of the parties' manifesto in Ireland in the last election. And this is pretty much consistent all the way through. But this is a very good, succinct way of highlighting the opposite of how Ireland and other countries exists. And I'm paraphrasing now. Citizens have rights. And it is the responsibility of the government to deliver them. Some of these rights include a home, education, security, equality, and decent healthcare. I always find it funny how if you watch what I call status, what you would probably call socialists or progressives, if you watch their language, they always give you a little snippet. They always give you a little snippet into their mindset. So you're no adjective for a home or education or security or equality, but you're only entitled to decent healthcare. My definition of decent healthcare could be to entirely, totally different to your definition, and that could be totally different to someone else's. That is the difference. One is to protect rights, and one is to deliver them. Which do you think is a system that is better and more fair? Now, as I was reading these pages, manifestos, some as short as 20 pages long and some as, as long as 150 pages long. It's great. I love this, the status, you know, no matter what, you know, in way Karl Marx is right, you know, that sometimes um, the working man has more in common with working men in another country than they do with their own countrymen. Um, that was one of the, you know, the workers of the world unite. And when I was reading this, I, I, I laughed out loud several times because I saw some of the following phrases. And these are taglines, you know, they're, they're, they're big, they're, they're what your manifesto is standing for. And I read the, the, the socialist one first, just for kicks and giggles. And I opened up the manifesto and there it is, big, bold, bulky letters. Share the wealth. You ever, ever heard that in America before? Then I opened another one. An Ireland for all. 
then as I was reading through certain policies, I, I heard some of these following lines, and I'm sure you've heard this before. I, I can't I can't place where. We need to invest in our roads, our transports, and our broadband, and including 4G. You change a few words, roads and bridges. I'm not going to mention names. You all know who I'm talking about. And then there was this other tagline, which was great. It was big, bold letters. There's no more time for the boom in big letters and bust. We need a recovery for the average family. You know, just on a side point, before I get down to the actual policies, the one thing I'm always amazed about, and I actually don't understand how to get away with this. So if you, if let's just put, put, put a progressive mind on for a minute, or a socialist mind, you know, the left mindset. And look at someone like me who's for freedom, for the free market, for who thinks income tax is immoral. I'm a hater. I'm a bigot. I'm a racist. I hate women. I hate everyone. And I'm just not compassionate. Yeah, as I read these policies, both in America and as I was reading these Irish policies, it was all about the average and the middle class. You know, if you were compassionate as they would claim to be, you would think that you would focus all your policies on the poor not the middle class, not the people who actually do something. I, I just find that ironic and how we now live in a society where if you're extremely rich or extremely poor, we don't give a crap about you in politics terms. It's all about that middle, that healthy middle, the average. So as I was reading, oh, by the way, the other thing, second point I forgot to say to you, it was amazing how many times I read the following words. What do, you, what do you think is the word I read the most in those manifestos? Any guesses? Let me tell you. The word fairness. I read the word fairness or fair so many times it was frightening. What is fair to you is not going to be fair to me, is not going to be fair to Donald Trump, is not going to be fair to Ted Cruz, is not going to be fair to Glenn Beck, is not going to be fair to Sean Hannity, is not going to be fair to Hillary Clinton, is not going to be fair to Chris Matthews. We all talk and write now as if, well, fairness is this defined thing. Well, that's fair. You know, your fair share. That's not fair. We need a fairer society. And of course, we use these vague terms so we can have so much debate. Now, if you watch the Irish election, or it was incredible. The one positive thing about the Irish election, I will say this about it. I'll, I'll do the positive before I do the negative. The one positive, it was like three weeks and two days, or three days. It was fantastic. It was like, we're calling an election. It's going to be this Friday, boom. And three and a week, three and a half weeks later, it was done. You know, it's so much better that way. It also has its pit side because you don't get to discuss the issues that much. But, you know, compared to America, where it's like, there are some people, I'll, hands up, I'm one of them, who's like, oh my God, the, the 2016 elections. What what did that straw poll say in August 2015? As we're living it, not now. But, you know, as you're living, you're like, oh, they won a straw poll? Oh my God. Um, In like Ireland, it's like three weeks done. Um. And as I'm seeing the crap that's going on now, oh, bathrooms included, I kind of like, yeah, three weeks is pretty good. So 
When you watch the elections, you see all these politicians using, you're, you're a neoliberal and you're a liberal and you're a socialist and you're this. And they hate each other. And they, they destroy each other. But when you actually delve down into the principles, and I am, see if you can actually see any difference in principle. Or do you just see difference in policies? So what did they all agree on? Well, there were some issues they all could come together in their uh, manifestos. They all agreed Palestine should be recognized as a state. They all agreed in abortion. Some agreed with just, you know, when there's uh, fatal anomalies, some with the health of the mother. Some just, yeah, abortion on demand. They all agreed that zero-hour contracts are a bad thing. This actually, I want to talk about this for a second because it's an economic policy. And it actually affects me in Ireland right now. So a zero-hour contract is a contract. I don't know. I'm sure you have something similar in the States where you're guaranteed zero hours a week. But you could end up working 30, 40, 50, 60 hours. It's just you're not guaranteed a certain amount of hours each week. This suits me. I love it. But the, also the truth is the Irish economy sucks and it's really hard to get a job. If you ban zero-hour contracts, what's going to happen? People like me are going to be back on the dole. The fact that I have an agreement with my employer that says, hey, you're not guaranteed any hours, but when we need you, we'll call you and then you can come to work. And I have that agreement and it's in a written binding contract. The fact that a government can go along in an election and say, yeah, they're no longer allowed, they're illegal that they can make a contract between me and a company null and void like that? Is that something you want the government to have? That's just a small point, just something to think about. What else did they all agree on? Well, of course, they all agreed on resource centers. We need more resource centers. And what a resource center is, well, they're these little centers that you set up in populous areas, and they're for a certain thing. You know, so you have LGBT, you have a homeless centre, you have an elderly centre. They all provide services for a certain demographic. They all need more of these. We need more funding centres, all paid for by the government and the taxpayer. Of course, naturally, Ireland being the nation that it is, it's part of Europe, part of the UN, and very proudly so. It's such a great thing. We all believe in climate change. We believe in the UN figures and we all agree we have to hit the CO2 and emissions targets. And one of the ways to do that is, you know, if you all drive less cars and get more public transportation, which of course results in more money for the public transport. So what did they disagree on? And this is where I would ask you to think about, is there much disagreement here? Is this like all a mirage? Because we're all supposed to hate each other. You know, just to give you some background, Ireland has what they call civil war politics. And the two main parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, they're the civil war and they will never see eye to eye on things. There's this hatred. If you're in Fianna Fáil, you hate Fianna Gael and vice versa. And basically it all boils down to a load of nonsense. But it all boils down to one thing. One party wanted a united Ireland and thought... You know, Michael Collins shouldn't have agreed to the 26 counties, that he should have went back and demanded the 32. And another thing said, we'll take the 26 and we'll get the other six at another date. That's what it all boils down to. There was an Irish civil war and it's all, uh, I'm sorry, I don't love Ireland. I can't really be much passionate about it. Um, 
but that's what it's all about. We all hate each other, you know. If you're in this party, it's like, in many ways, it's like America. If you're in the GOP, you hate Democrats. If you're in the Democratic Party, you hate Republicans. And if you're in either of them and you are a Tea Party person, you, well, they all can agree on one thing. They hate you more. Um, that's just the way it goes. So I'm going to take one more quick break. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to tr go through all these policies with you. And let's see if we can find any difference on principle, not policy. I'll be right back, America. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. And what's going to kill these heroes is not a Sidewinder missile from a Russian aircraft. What's going to kill them is something that blows out in their own engine because they're flying an aircraft which essentially was built 30 years ago. Although every welfare system still gets its money. Don't worry. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Um, if you're on Twitter, um, give me a follow, give me a tweet, tell me where, if you dislike me or think I was wrong or think I was misspoken on some issues, um, give me a tweet, give me a follow, give me a private message. I answer them all. I try my best to engage with people as much as possible. It's at Freedom Disciple, at Freedom Disciple, or on Facebook at Freedom Disciple. So some of the policies, the big ones. So let's start with the the biggest in many people's eyes. Healthcare. I love the taglines that some people use for healthcare. I found this one. Universal access based on need alone, not the ability to pay. I kind of think I've heard that from certain presidential candidates and presidents and politicians. It's funny. So what are the differences? Well, there are people in some sex sections who want no A&E charges. They don't want any charges for healthcare. It's all free, 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 free. There are some people who want an administration fee. If you go to A&E, um, you're still seen. Um, it's based on need alone. They get your name and address, and then they send you a bill. And the way the system kind of works now is if you don't pay that bill, no one's going to come looking for you. It's just the way it works. Um, the other big difference is um, people now are not happy with just universal access to healthcare. They now want GP care, which is, you know, the doctor that you go to and then surgery. And they want it free for all. Um, other parties are like, look, we're doing this policy now. It's free for all those under six. We're going to continue rolling this out and then maybe we'll look at it down the road. Do you see much difference there? However, there was one troubling sentence I found yet again in the, well, they're all pretty much socialists. They just, some admit them, some admit they're socialists, you know, kind of like America. Some are socialists and they go, we're socialists, we're progressives. And then there are others going, I'm not socialist. No, 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 no. I'm a liberal or I'm, I, I'm a center, center moderate person. I just happen to believe in all the same policies. But there was one troubling statement that I find, and it's kind of, I've seen this in America, two different descriptions. 
and where they talk about Ireland has a two-tier health system. You've got your public and you've got your private and all those evil people who have private insurance. You know, those people who said, I'm one of them who say, hey, in case anything ever bad happens to me, I need insurance. I want to get the best health care I can get. Well, what we need to do is over a period of years, we need to replace that private spending with public spending. Well, that's nice. So you're going to take my private money that I pay for my insurance and then basically use it for all public spending. So for me being responsible, there is no um, benefit. Just screw the system. That's healthcare. Second issue I'm going to talk to you about, and again, you can decide whether the policies are different. A big issue in Ireland right now is homelessness. All these people you have, it's kind of, in some ways, it's actually similar to what you went through in under Bush with Iraq. You have these little counters. All these people are on the streets homeless. You know, and it goes up and it goes down per night. And, well, we don't have counters. We just are told it's up and it's down. And there's all these reports on homelessness. And I'm not belittling it. It is a huge problem. However, the solution in my eyes is not government, but that's that's a discussion for another day. So one of the things, big issues in this election was, well, we need more social housing. You know, we need government to own more housing and to build more housing. It's their responsibility. Everyone, as I said at the start of the show, is entitled to a house. So what's the difference? Well, the policies are, one said we need 100,000 new homes. Another said we need 50,000 new homes. Another one committed to 110,000 new homes. And then 25,000 new homes each and every year after that. Another one just said, no, we just need 25,000 new homes each and every year for eternity. And then another one went really big. It was like, I'm just going to blow everyone else out of the water and hope this sticks. We need 150,000 new homes. Second auction process. Hey, I've got 25 here. Can I get 50? I've got 50 here. Can I get 100? I got 100. Can I get 110? I got 110. Anyone else want to blow me out? 110, 110. Oh, 150 sold to the big guy over the back who's going to all think he's so compassionate. We need 150,000 new homes. But then you realize, hey, it's the taxpayer who's paying for it. There were some nuggets in here. All government, you'll see a team here. One said that because certain people do buyback schemes where you're allowed to buy your home. One of them outraged in their plan said the minimum state ownership of houses should be 200,000. It should never drop under that. Just think about that for a minute. You should always, the state should always own 200,000 homes. Now, this might sound very little to an American. Just put this into context. Ireland's a nation of about 4.5 million people. 4.5 million people. You're a nation of 330 million. There was other things where they're bringing this scheme now back. It's called the you know, first-time buyer scheme or the save-to-buy scheme. It's basically where you put four euro into an account and the government puts in a dollar or a euro. And you can do up to a max of 1,200 a year, somewhat more than that. Basically, it's a 25% grant for you to buy if you're a first-time buyer. Other people want to, you know, raise the rent caps and freeze rent and do this to rent and give more rent relief out. These are all different policies. Do you see any difference in principle there? Or do you seem, see a common theme running through it? It's all government. Then we get to taxes. One of the 
Ireland has many, 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 many taxes. When you work and you're an employee and you work for a company, one of the biggest differences between America and Ireland is the actual employer deducts it at the end of the week, at the end of the fortnight or the end of the month. And then you get your pay minus tax. And we have three taxes. We have your income tax. We have our health insurance tax, which you pay regardless of whether you have private health insurance or not. And then you have this USC, which is a universal social charge. Well, here are the following policies by all the parties, because this was a big issue. Everyone was discussing the USC. It's the smallest percentage of tax of all three, but there was such a debate over it. And here are the following policies for all the parties. One said, everyone under 20,000 euro, no USC charge. Another one, 70,000 and under, no USC charge. Another one said 72,000 and under, no USC. Another one said 80,000 and under, no USC. And then, of course, there's always those one Marxists who wrap themselves in compassion and said, we're not cutting USC. What we're going to do is everyone over 120,000 euro a year, we're going to increase it on them. I I love these socialists. They just totally go against the grain. And then there was another party who said, who are actually the government party at the minute, who said, we're just going to fully abolish it. We don't need it. It's a punitive one. We can afford to get rid of it. The economy is doing a lot better now. And there was outrage. I know, heaven forbid, Ireland, socialist, having a tax cut. No, we can't have that. And they reversed the position and eventually they put out some type of policy. I can't remember. I didn't look for it. It wasn't in their manifesto. Um, but they kind of made some relents. They said they'll on the higher earners. Do you see any difference there? It's again, it's like an auction. Uh, we got 20,000 and under, no way, USC. Can anyone do better? Oh, 70,000. Great. Any, any better than that? 72. Yes, sold. Uh, any better? Any better? Any better? 80,000 and under, sold to the man in the middle. This is the type of policies that you get. Education. Everyone wants to talk about education. And again, going through the socialist policies, I found a little nugget. You'll love this one. This will actually frighten you because Bernie Sanders could say this. It is the responsibility of the government to provide a universal, wait, you hear all these adjectives, universal, accessible, lifelong education for free. Let me say that again, because this will frighten you if you're listening and you see, because America is probably a few years behind Ireland. It's universal, accessible, and lifelong and free. Basically, if you want to go to college till you're 65, never work a day in your life and have ABC and DEF and HIJ and MBA and DAA and COO after your name, you can do that. You never have to work. It's great. Other people want free college. Just free college. You can get a degree and that's it. Then it goes on to welfare. You know, all the benefits that we get. These range from, again, it's... It's, you're seeing, hopefully you're seeing a trend here. I'm trying to get through as much as I can. Reverse the cuts back to what the rates were in 2009. Again, we've had that evil austerity. We had the bank bailouts. And if you followed any of the Irish news, we've been hurt by the recession. And we got bailed out by the AMF and the EU. And basically, austerity kicked in and certain welfare rates all went down. So one party said, back to pre-austerity rates. Another person said... 
well, what we need to do is increase all benefits across the board by 10 euro a week. And then another one said, ah, that's, not, no, that's not enough. We need 20 euro increase across the board. The pensions, we have a state pension like your social security, except we don't really pay into it. We just get it at the end of the year, at the end of our lifetime. People said, again, it's like an auction process. We need to increase it by five euro every year, per year, every year, and for infinite. Another person, then they went big, you know, these parties. We care about the old people. We care. We're going to increase it by 25 euro. And then another one said, I can top that. We're going to increase it by 30 euros a week. Can you imagine a 30 euro increase in a pension? Bearing in mind that Ireland is very much like America, and it says, you know what, and this is this is to people my age, and I'm in my early 30s, you probably won't get much of a pension. They're already increasing the pension age. Um, it was 65 for people like my mother's age, who's in her um, late 50s, early 60s. She'll be able to retire, I think, at 66. When it comes to me retiring, it'll be 70. An issue I'm very passionate about, and I'm planning a show on down the road, the minimum wage. You know, we got to have compassion. we got to have compassion for all these workers, you know, that the, the evil employers are exploiting people. Not really, but that's for another show. What was the, again, auction process? We need to increase it. It, it was 865 an hour right before the last election. In January 1st, it went up to 9.15 and a 50 cent increase. Another person wants it to go up another 50 cent to 9.65. Another person wants it to go up to 10.50. Um, we're now talking about an increase to the living wage. So what one person wants to do or one party wants to do is everyone who works for the government, you're no longer, um, your basis is no longer the minimum wage. It's now what we call a living wage. And that living wage will be 11.30 an hour. And how they came up with this, this living wage is brilliant. They got all the salaries across the board and they said, add them all up and do 60% of it and that's what you get. That's your living wage. It's nothing to do with your means. It's 60% of the average wage. And that's 11.30. And then all in this, they had a new policy for the working family plan. So basically, if you were part of a working family and you work more than 15 hours a week, you will be paid 11.75 an hour. And what this plan does is says, you're on minimum wage, you're on 9.15 at the minute, and let's say you work 20 hours a week cleaning the local offices. Or the local hospital. Well, see, that's not fair. You're a working family. So the state will pay you, in this case, the additional 260 an hour for each hour that you work. It's wonderful. Now we get on to other policies. Are you seeing anything? By the way, I'll stop here because there are a few other policies I want to talk to you about. Are you seeing any difference from America now, by the way? Is there anything here that is not in America? Welfare, minimum wage, education, taxes, and even the, the, the housing, go to HUD. A few other policies I want to talk to you about, childcare. I love this line, again, it was mainly from the socialists. Childcare is a universal right. Childcare should never be provided by the private sector. Because it hurts the poorest in society. I love their, their just the way they talk. So what do they want? Well, people wanted a cap on the costs, you know, basically to tell a private business, you can only charge so much for your products. Others wanted uh, a 2,000 
euro grant a year. One wanted a universal. Just, hey, everybody gets free childcare. Just just put everyone there. Let the government run your child. Then there was the scary policies. The, the 2,000 euro subsidy for 9 to 36 month old babies. There was the maternity leave. Um, extending extending parental leave, increasing matured uh, maternity benefits. And then, of course, the little nugget, which was actually put in by the government. We'll give you a free second preschool year because we got to get those kids in earlier, indoctrinate them. And then I move back. A couple of more policies I want to talk to you about. Income tax, the big tax. This is the big, big, big tax. One came out and just said it. Hey, we need to increase income tax on everyone across the board. Then we went back into our socialist mantra and some said, no, 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 no. We need to leave tax rates the way they are, except we need a reduction for the middle class. Because, and I quote, the middle class is what defines a success or a failure for a nation. And then, of course, the big Marxists came out and said, no, 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 no. Leave the tax rates the way they are, except the 100,000 people. What we need to do is we need a new tax band. Anyone earning over 100,000 euros, because they're rich, they're millionaires and billionaires. Anyone earning over 100 grand needs a new tax. We need a 47% tax rate on people earning over 100 grand. There were people talking about increases, huge increases. Um, there was one frightening one, capital gains tax, increased from 33% to 50%. Of course, there was another one. Again, you've heard all these in America. A 2% wealth tax on everything over 1 million euro. And now some of the election issues, which is starting in Britain, Hillary Clinton endorsed last week um, with the mayor in New York. And it's now in Ireland. We need an, a sugar tax. A 10% sugar tax. We need a new Robin Hood tax, which basically means every time you exchange or sell shares and bonds, 0.01% of the value goes to the state. Can you imagine the impact that would have? 0.01%. It sounds tiny, but if you sell shares at a loss, you still got to pay the tax. And if you've got to sell shares at a profit, you still got to pay your and the tax on the gain, but you also have to pay a tax on the big, the price that you pay. Then, of course, there was the usual, I'm going to leave it with this, the usual, you know, no fossil fuels and public lands, and we, what we need is more government oil and government taking, care, take, taking the gas and the oil. There should be no privatization, no fracking, because fracking is just so bad. There were a couple of other little nuggets which I'll share with you. Um, again, you've heard all these before. No privatization. You know, you talk to people who are saying, hey, can we put Social Security in, in the private sector? Oh, no. Jesus, no. Don't be stupid. The private sector would rip you off. One party came out and out and said, I don't care what the policy is. If government does it now, we should ban privatization. There was a new bank for investments, you know, to stimulate. Because I love, you know, you, if, you ever wanna, if you ever want fun that you can just get away from reality. Talk to associates about job creation. It's hilarious. Um, it makes you cry, but it's hilarious. 
We need a new state bank. You see, the banks aren't lending. The banks are just evil. They took all this money from the people. They got bailed out, and now they're just not lending to people. So we need a new bank. We need to create a new state legal body. Because you see, having these private lawyers and paying their fees, no, 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 what we won't do, we don't want any privatization around here. What we'll do is we'll create a body, you know, have the state branch of lawyers. I'm sure they'll just be brilliant. Some other nuggets, we need to ban vending machines in certain locations. You know, just ban them. We need more expenditure on government healthy eating programs. We need to expand school meals for all. Incredible. Just more and more power. Nothing to do with the individual. All government. And I'm going to finish with two little nuggets I found. One I found, I actually was shocked. I read all these proposals. And the party who they would call themselves proudly left-wing, the Labour Party, mentioned two words that... I didn't hear anyone else mention balanced budget. I was like, wow, I got it. I, did I just read that? I was like reading this and I was like, the economy and the debt and da, 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 da. we need a balanced budget. I went, did I just read that or did I fall asleep and dream? Um, and then there were a couple of other little duties. Um, the progressive party, the Sinn Féin party said, if you elect us, we will have 60% of our workforce with degrees by 2025. They're now openly showing their hands. Sadly, we don't have any party to give a real alternative. And then this, because again, it's rec it's going to be pretty recent. And it's sadly, we're still praying for all the people in uh, on the Tennessee or the Louisiana-Texas border who are dealing with horrific floods. But they said, do you know what we need to do? Anyone who is in a floodplain, we need to cap their insurance rates. doesn't matter what the insurance rates pay out. No, nope, just cap their insurance. Nothing to do with the free market, just government, government, government. i got to take one last quick break, America, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you about voting and what your conscience says and give you a scenario I want you to think about this weekend. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back, America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Victimology is actually about power. It's about claiming that some wrong has been done to your group. And then you as an individual see some of that narrative and use it to inflict your will upon others under the guise of it being just. It's not about creating a situation where we live in harmony. No, it's about payback. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope the, I didn't bombard you with figures the last couple of segments. I try to keep it as loose as possible and give it to you in a factual context. I finish up today's show, I want to talk to you and give you a couple of questions. With everything I just mentioned there, do you really see a whole lot of difference between Ireland, which is a socialist nation, and America? 
like everything from the taxes. You know, we just got to tax the rich and anyone earning over, it's even the same figure with some of them. Anyone earning over a hundred grand as a millionaire and billionaire, we got a inc big increase on them. We need to get the cap gains, wealth taxes, sugar taxes, maternity leave, childcare. Now the left are talking about childcare being a universal right. How long is it till the GOP adopt that mantra? Increasing in minimum wage, increase in welfare, increase, increase in education. Don't cut taxes, increase them. More social housing, healthcare, free universal healthcare for all. Do you see much difference? The reason I don't get involved in left, right, Democrat, Republican, progressive, conservative is because the way I see things, and if you've listened to me for so a long time, you'll know I see things this way. I call them utopian statists. Because regardless of what the problem is, regardless of what the economy is doing, regardless of the situation, they see everything as a nail. They see everything as a chance to expand government. And guess what? When you see everything as a nail, of course everything in your hand is always going to be a hammer. Because here's the thing, how many people use a screwdriver on a nail? Well, I'm sure there are some people out there who would, but it ain't going to get there. So... The reason I brought this up is because of two reasons. One, I can't get mad at Irish people because there is no real alternative. It's like America today. The freedom movement is non-existent in many places in America today. It is as existent as Ireland. But two, Ireland doesn't have the... The, the polling analysis that America has, but there was one nugget in the exit polls after the last election. The Ireland is the, the results of the last election are no one can form a government, so it's, there's going to be a load of complications. But one of the reasons the government parties lost is because they sold the economy how great it is and how it's getting better and how more people are at work, and they said. We're going to prioritize tax cuts over more spending. We're going to, you know, abolish the USC. Uh, if you've heard the last couple of segments, that was one of their policies. And the exit poll said 45% of people would much prefer more government spending than a tax cut. That there is one stat that you can take to the bank and says there is no alternative. There is no independent streak in many people. It's all government. They've accepted hook, line and sinker that says, I don't earn my money. I earn my money in a job. The government can take X amount. It can go up. It can go down at any time just by the pa passing of a bill. And then the government gives me some back through benefits. So it'll take 50% of my wages through tax and VAT and all these other things. But it'll give me back, it'll give me a bit back here for healthcare, and a bit back here for childcare, it'll give me a bit back for education, it'll give me a bit back on welfare. That is a system that is many times the way it is in America. Do you see much difference? If I'm wrong, by the way, tell me. Please tell me where I'm wrong. But this, that stuff goes a lot further. I know people will say, well, what you need over there is a freedom party. No, what we need to do is to reach out and reach hearts and minds before you get to politics, because po politics dirties the water. Even if you have the purest candidate running, 
He will always dirty the water. They won't like how he looks. They won't like how he talks. They won't like, it's a man, they'll want a woman. Or they won't want a woman, they'll want a coloured person. It all, everyone has their own agenda. Let's talk about the principles. When 45% of your people says, we don't want spending cuts. I don't want any more of my money back. I want more spending. And by the way, this wasn't just people who were not working. This is working people who wanted that as well. They wanted more of their money taken for more goods and services. So we need to do a job of explaining real freedom. I know people today, and this is popular, they look at the young generation and go, oh, my God, you're so stupid. Look at you, you're always on the phone, you're always on social media. I'll always defend young people. Because they didn't come out of the womb going, hey, I want to be on social media and I want to have my head in the sand. No, they saw it from someone. They're following someone else's example. So when you point a finger at someone, just remember there's three fingers pointing right back at you. It's easy to sit around here and get angry. It's easy to sit around and blame other people. Oh, the young people. Oh, my God, they're so crap. They're so stupid. They're all voting for Bernie and they're just they're destroying their own future. How about having a conversation with them? Showing them the real alternative. Because here's the truth, and just on one issue, I'm an economics guy in many ways. I see capitalism today. I'm not defending any capitalism I see today. I don't see any good capitalists. There are a handful, but not very many big of all the big ones. I don't support any of their types of capitalism. Even someone I used to admire an awful lot, Elon Musk. He's like, yeah, i got to take government money. I'm like, I thought you were a good capitalist. No, you're not. You're as crony capitalist, socialist as the next person. So we don't have a real free market capitalism defender today like a Milton Friedman. We need that. I want to finish today's show. I hope it has given you plenty of food for thought. But a scenario. I've witnessed many changes in your elections and how the perception and how people talk today about elections. And one of the changes I've witnessed, I've been around again, if you've listened to me for a while, you've probably heard me say I've been around politics since Bush versus Gore. I've been around that long in American politics and I've been either unfortunate or blessed to be around several campaigns. And any time, and come to think about many of them campaigns were losing ones, maybe I was the, the reason. Um, but when you would lose a campaign, you would sit down and you'd go, okay, why did we lose? Well, we didn't hit the right message or we didn't, people weren't concerned. You know, like that, like what we just spoke about, people were more worried about more spending than tax cuts. Or we just didn't communicate it or there was a scandal or we just didn't, people didn't like you or whatever the reason was. Today I'm seeing that attitude flipped on its head. I'm seeing people go, like the last election, oh, just you, you, you conservatives, you just sat on your butt. And you, cause just because you were such a purist and an ideologue and you'd much rather have Barack Obama again over Mitt Romney. And the resentment in their voices and in their messages when I see all these. I'm seeing it again now. If you vote for a certain candidate, you're voting for Hillary Clinton. Is someone entitled to your vote? Is someone entitled to say, hey, you own, I, you own my, I own your vote. You have to vote for me. I'm entitled to it. Or is a vote something you earn? Where you go out and you try and earn your votes? I can see a similar scenario happening in 2016 where 
a lot of people, regardless of on the GOP side, ever who gets elected, whether it's Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, or someone else, there's going to be a lot of angry, upset people. And there are people who won't vote for the nominee. Now, is it what is the nominee's job there? Well, the nominee's job is to try and unify the party and to try and reach out and find common ground that you can, you know, try and earn their vote. But if you don't, that's the candidate's fault. That's the campaign's fault. That's not, well, I can't vote for Trump or I can't vote for Cruz. That's not your fault. That's just your feelings, your emotions, your logic. To further this point, I want to give you a scenario. The last election in Ireland. The best candidate, best, 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 was probably a modern day, what you would call Hillary Clinton. The worst candidate was, on policy, was Bernie Sanders, you know, the, the self-avowed socialist. And the unknown candidate was probably, I'm trying to give you an American equivalent, even though he didn't run for office, he's probably the closest, Bill Ayers. Connections to terrorism, committed terrorist atrocities, but now all of a sudden has a respect because people have forgotten. Who would you vote for in that election? Now, I know people, and I've had this discussion with people, and say, well, you got to vote for the lesser of two evils. I have no problem if you want to vote, if you'd vote for Hillary Clinton in my, in my race. That's your choice. But should I? I'd like you to think about that. Because I'm going to tell you who I voted for in the last four elections. I voted for four different people. The last election, I voted for Jesus Christ. The election before that, I think I voted for Donald Duck. The election before that, I either voted for Minnie Mouse or Mickey Mouse, and vice versa in the election before that. Now, you can call me an ideologue. You can call me a purist. You can call me any name you want. I'm at a point in my life where I'm not putting my name beside any tyrant. A vote for soft tyranny over hard tyranny, no matter what way you spin it, Spin it, slice it, dice it, explain it, justify it. It's still a vote for tyranny. Now, I'm not doing this to hurt other people or to make a point. I'd love to be able to vote for someone for freedom. I'd love to be able to vote for a candidate that actually got it and said, I'm going to take away government power and I'm going to give it to you. We're going to expand the economy, not through government, but through the private sector. I'd love to be able to vote for someone like that. I didn't choose this path, but it's the path I'm on. Bear that in mind when it comes to your primary or when it comes to 2016. People who don't vote, or people who don't vote the way you want it, have that right. It's not something to be demeaned by. They just see things different. But a vote for soft tyranny to replace a hard tyranny, or instead of a hard tyranny, is still a vote for tyranny, no matter what way you slice it, America. I hope you'll think about it. And the reason I'm telling you this now and not after the election is because it's the end of April. You have seven months to unify the party. 
And that starts with you as a grassroots activist. If your candidate is Donald Trump or your candidate is Ted Cruz, start reaching out. Start reaching out and try and lay the groundwork that when the, your candidate, if and when they win the, the, the primary and they're the nominee and they're going up against Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders, that you've laid a groundwork, you've built a foundation that then you can go back to that person and say, hey, look, what about this? What about voting? Will you consider it? These are something I'd like you to think about this weekend. Because I repeat, a vote for soft tyranny over hard tyranny is still a tyranny. We have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. We have a lot of reaching out of hearts and minds to do. I'm excited for this journey. I, I can't tell you, I, I still can't put into words the joy being behind this microphone brings. And I thank you for that, for tuning in, for liking, for subscribing, for sharing, for commenting on the, the podcast and either on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please continue to share them with your fans and, and your family. If there's issues and shows you want me to do, please get in touch. I, I am slow at times because of my work responding to messages but i always do reply whether it's by email or on facebook or on twitter or on the website this is your show and i've got some exciting things planned to help reach out not in politics but on principles because here's the thing and i'll finish up with this all the policies we discussed today from the irish election the healthcare, the social housing the usc the education I don't see any difference there. I just see a different policy or a different position. I'm not going to fall out with someone because if they have a slightly different policy, I want to talk to you about the principle. So instead of the debate being, hey, do we need 100,000 social housing or 50 or 110 or 150? I'm going to have an honest discussion with you and say, how, does, how do we get government out of the social housing? How do we cure homelessness? Not parent, not today or tomorrow, but permanently. How do we empower people? How do we deal with education? How do we deal with welfare? How do we deal with the minimum wage? How do we empower people? How do we limit government? Limited government has become a tagline I see so many people for. Oh, I'm for limited government. But I'm for the government doing this, this and this and this. I'm for, I'm okay with the government telling you what the minimum wage is. We need to have an honest, frank discussion. Because freedom is hanging in the balance, America. What, were, what road will you choose to live on? And what road will you travel in your life? I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend. I hope this has given you some food for thought. Please continue to like, subscribe, comment and share this content on iTunes or SoundCloud. And as always, I finish off the show by doing what I always do, saluting the real heroes of society, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American and people. I always have believed and I always will. America is exceptional. America is great because of your people. Have a great Saturday and a great weekend, America. I'll see you next week. God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.